0: I am not preaching this morning, nor do I have a letter of anything to read to you. Uh, we are starting a, a mentor program here at church with our young people and some people who are not so young. We're matching we're you up. We're going to talk about it. That's what today is going to all be about as we think about it. I want to read a few things to you, but I just want to ask for your prayers on it. Uh, we have what's going to be about 200 people involved in this as you think about families, and I want to ask you to I want to get a show of hands if you were mentored by someone in your life growing up just just raise your hand let's see if you're not raising your hand that's what was wrong with you you folks out there okay we have kids from every possible background best worst best case scenario for our young people um, it's just going to be another relationship. And this program is really going to link our body together. But for a lot of our kids, there's no spiritual back background, nobody nobody that has their back. And that's really what we want to create. I want to ask for your prayers on this. Uh, a lot of you have been asked about this. This is going to be a great program. It's going to be a, a year-long deal that we do during school for our young people. Please pray. mentor us in our lives. Uh, I was kidding about that, but all of us—all of us really have a story of somebody who took the time, made an investment in our lives, that will make an eternal difference. I asked this morning on Facebook for people to share those. I want to read a few of those because I think they're really powerful, and a lot of you know these these people. But I asked if if you were mentored in your life to to not tell who, but to tell how and why they did it. But when you do that, it in every time. People told who, so I guess I will too. Um, Let me read these. J.T. Clark said that Bob Ackerson is hands down my hero and a huge influence in my life. There's one thing about Papa, and you and you all know it's true, that he loves the Lord and his family more than anything. Throughout my life, he has taught me how important the Lord is. And that he needs to be the most important thing in my life. I struggle with this at times. I need to be back on track. But I'm glad and thankful for my papa. I oh, thought that was cool. We all know Bob. You know that's true. And are you here today, Ann? All right. I work with you, Ann. We needed more mentoring in that department. Huh? Ann, you you do so much for us. I want to read this. I thought this was so true because no matter where you're at in your life, you may not realize it, but you are mentoring someone. Um, and Ann you do that each and every day in your life Anne said that hers was Glenn McDaniel he was my 7th grade teacher he taught me that there wasn't anything that I, that I couldn't do if I believed in myself she said I wanted to be in the 4-H program the public speaking contest they had 4-H that long ago? ok <laughs> I wanted to be in the 4-H public speaking contest and because of my insecurity I did not believe I could ever do it He gave me something that year I'll never forget. He gave me confidence. He taught me to believe in myself. I will never forget this special man. He also taught me to think, and he was a true mentor. Ann Hunt said that that her dad, James Arnold, was definitely her greatest influence and mentor. She said, he had every Christian quality I desire to have. He taught me to love the Lord first in my life, then family, then friends, then country, etc. I've never known anyone more generous and compassionate to his fellow man he walked he walked his talk i am a long way from being what my precious daddy was in this world but i continue to strive for that i appreciate that we all have a story you all didn't share but every one of us has had somebody who's played a big impact in our life and that's what we're asking an investment to our young people and you know who knows hopefully one day we're in heaven and, and, and maybe one of those young people is there just because of this program pray for it Um, There's a lot of enthusiasm about this. About 200 people are fixing to be linked together in the Lord's church. And and that's exciting. But more than anything, we do covet your prayers for this. And in in your life, each and every day, look for someone to mentor. I want to close with this. Every Sunday, is Lakin looking? Every Sunday we pray. And whether or not you know it and realize it, there are people in your life that are watching your each and every move. During our prayer every Sunday... Bill usually says it. I'll close my eyes and I'll look over. And she's got her hands like this and she's just looking around. She's just looking around to, to see what prayer looks like. I think the world is looking at us in that same way as Christians and saying, show me your God. Show me Jesus. And that's what we want to happen to this. We're calling it Partners in Christ. It was my idea, but it would have never happened without our parents, without Scott and John Harris. I'm thankful to them. But pray for this. If you want to be a part of it, come see me. Okay? Thank you.
1: Thank you, Dustin, and uh, especially Scott and John. Uh, I know it's going to be great. It's one of the very few things that it, amidst numbers. But I think we actually had more people volunteer than we could actually use, uh, which is an awesome problem to have. And um, I love what Dustin said about trying to match up people. And I was really excited. Some of you know who you match up with. Some of you don't. But I was really excited when, when I got my assignment because you know I, I told him I said, G- "Give me, give me somebody kind of high risk. Give me, give me somebody who needs a lot." And uh, when John talked to me, he said, "Okay, we, we, we gave you Dustin, and uh, we're we're gonna whip you into shape, Dustin. That's uh no, we're we're excited about that." And I appreciate everything that they've done. Uh, we we want to we think for a little bit this morning about this idea of being a mentor. And really, I don't know that, that, that the word mentor is in the Bible, but the concept is there over and over. And whether you're in, the, in this program or not, the concept of you taking your knowledge and your abilities and your resources and everything that you are and investing that in someone else's life to help them, is an in- incredibly biblical subject. And, you know, as he was reading those things, I'm sure that all of us were thinking about people who have done that for us. People who have impacted our lives, and, and maybe they were doing it intentionally, as this as this uh, program is, or maybe they were just being a Christian man. Maybe they were just being a Christian woman. Maybe they were just being all that they knew to be, and what they knew to be was to help other people. Uh, Probably when I think about mentors and people who have meant the most to me or meant a lot to me, they probably didn't even know it. They probably didn't even know the monumental difference that they made in my life. I remember when I was a sophomore at Freed Hardman, truthfully, I was a nobody. Okay? Uh, My daddy was not a preacher. And I came from Missouri and not Tennessee. And I didn't know everybody and everything. And I I didn't know the last, you know, 100 years of history. I didn't know any of that. I'm just Wes Hazel from Missouri. And I made pretty good grades, but I kind of kept to myself. And I remember I was sitting in, in my Bible class uh, my, my third semester at Freed Hardman, and Earl Edwards approached me. And if you know Brother Earl, he is big and tall and got this deep, deep voice, and you give him attention when he talks to you. And he came up to my desk after class, and he said, he said I'm, I'm going on a mission campaign over Thanksgiving break, and I'd like for you to go with me. And, and not only would I like for you to go with me, I, I'd like for you to be one of, one of the leaders on this trip. And I remember I was sitting there, and I was like you talking to? You want me to go? You want me to lead? And I was not leadership uh, material at that point. I was not ready to lead, but there was somebody that believed in me. And I'm telling you that that's something that changed the tra- the tra- trajectory of, of my life. And we could all give stories that like that, couldn't we? That's what Dustin's talking about. And that's what we're talking about this morning. Finding a way to influence and to leverage what God has given us for someone else's benefit. Probably the best example we could find of that is the relationship that Paul had. Paul was a very busy man. Uh, Paul, I, I dare say, was busier than anybody in this room, even when he was in a prison cell. He was constantly writing. He was constantly worried. He was constantly taking care of other people. But one of the things that Paul obviously took very seriously was the relationship that he had with other, with, with other people, and especially with young men. Especially with people like Timothy and like Titus. When we open up those books of, of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, we see Paul saying, My child in the faith. Paul didn't have any children. Paul, Paul wasn't married. But Paul had children. He had people that he considered himself responsible for. He had people that he went out of his way to take under his wing and to nurture and to mature and to help them have the same relationship with God and be the vessel for God even that he He was. That's who Paul was to these young men. And so this morning, for just a moment, I want us to focus upon that relationship between Paul and Timothy. And and it's a relationship that we read about there in Acts chapter 16. But you remember on Paul's first missionary journey that he went to a lot of places. But one of the places that that Paul went to was was this place called Lystra. And, and you remember what happened on that first missionary journey. They're, they're separated by like a page in your Bible, but, but, but they're by several years in actual existence. But the first time that Paul went to this place, you remember that there were, there were, those, that there were those Jews, those, those hateful Jews, who came from, from Antioch of Pisidia. And what did they do? They stoned him. They stoned him for doing what we're doing here this morning. They stoned him and they drug him out of the city because he dared confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what happened on his first trip. But because he was there, he established a church there. And the gospel began to grow and and, and the church began to grow. And on Paul's second missionary journey, he went back to a lot of those same churches. Why did he do that? Well, he went back to encourage them. He went back to build them up in, in, in the Lord. And so in Acts chapter 16, we, we pick up on this, but the Bible says He came to Derby and to Lystra. It doesn't tell us this, you just have to know it. Last time I was there, I was stoned, drug out of the city, and left for dead. You ever have a place like that? You know, when something bad happens, you think, the last time I was here, the radiator quit on my car, and I spent six hours at that rest area. Or the last time I was here, that's when we had this big fight. When Paul came to this city, that's what's on his mind. It it couldn't not be on his mind, right? The last time we were here, I almost died. These people tried to kill me. But he comes to encourage the church. And as he goes into this place, the Bible says that there was a certain disciple who was there named Timothy. Timothy was the son of of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek, and he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and in Iconium. And so, Timothy was was this this young, up-and-coming young man. He had so much potential. And the Bible says that Paul wanted this man to go with him. He wanted him to go with him. See, Paul's looking around and the very first thing that we have to do is identify someone. It's one thing to say that we want to change the world. It's one thing to say that we want to make an impact in in people's lives. But at at some point we have to say, I want to make an impact in his life. I want to make an impact in her life. So many times our our efforts can become so general that, that, that we never really make the impact that we want. But when we get very specific, just look around the room. Look around your workplace. Look around this community. Just pick out someone you cannot save the world. You can't do it. But you can help one person be saved. One person at a time. That's how souls are saved. That's how impact is made. That's where all of your stories come from. When you, when, when you think about the things that, that Dustin was talking about. And Paul says, this is the young man that I want to go with me. Now you think of something of the character of of the character of Timothy and the character of, of his mother, actually to allow this to happen. Because Timothy would not be the only person who remembered what happened the last time that Paul came to town. Would he? If, if there was someone, let's, let's say that there was a preacher who, who used to preach in this pulpit maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago, but everybody remembered how it ended was it ended because they tried to kill him. It ended because they stoned him and they dragged him out. And that's the last we've seen of him. Can you imagine if that man came back? And you knew what happens to people who do what that man does, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, I'd like to take your son with me. I'd like for you to come with me and do the same thing that I do, knowing full well, you know what might happen to you? You might get stoned too. But Timothy was ready. Timothy was identified by Paul. And one of the challenges that whether you are a part of this mentor program or not, I want to challenge you to identify somebody. As an individual, as a couple, as a family. And say, this is someone that we're going to make a difference in their life. If all that you do is say, listen, this is somebody that we're going to pray for. And every day, we're going to pray for this person. I can't tell you the power of people whenever they, they, they will say, You know, I pray for you every single day. That's powerful. That's monumental. Do that for someone. Do that for someone who is young. Do that for someone who is old. Identify that person and set out to make a difference in, in their life. But their relationship went beyond, I'm just pointing out someone. Paul began to develop a relationship. It is a relationship where he will bring advice to Timothy. And he will advise Timothy on, on the most intimate aspects of his life. You know, when you're young, there are things that you just don't know. Can everybody agree to that? Everybody except for people that are young? Right? The only time I didn't agree with that is when I was 18, and I knew everything then. My mother's here this morning. She could probably vouch for that, okay? I know everything now. I don't know everything now. And probably the older I get, the less I'll know. I begin to wonder, there are some things you only learn through experience. You only learn through time. There are some things that we need help with. When you think about people that have made a difference, whether it is a school teacher, or whether it is a Bible class teacher, or it's a parent or a grandparent, what you think of is sometimes that they told you Something. And they told you something that you listened to. Maybe they told you something that you didn't listen to. But they told you something that made a difference in in your life. Something that helped you. Something that you could not have known. And you would have never come to that conclusion all by yourself without making a huge mistake. Well, when Paul sits down with Timothy, you know one of the things he talks to him about? He talks to a grown man. And he talks him into being circumcised. That's a pretty rough conversation, isn't it? I'm not talking about four days after you're born. He's, he's a grown man, and Paul did not go to Timothy and say you have to do this. Paul attested that. Right when people started t- starting telling telling Titus his other son in the faith that you have to do it, he said over my dead body. Right, we're not forcing those things. But Paul said, you know what? He took him and he circumcised him. Why? Because of the Jews who were in those parts. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. Timothy, you're going to need to understand this. That if you're going to preach the Gospel, this can become a real stumbling block to you. And you don't have to do this, Timothy, but I'm telling you, if you're willing to do this, it would go a long ways in order to help the cause of Christ. That's the conversation that Paul had with Timothy. He spoke into the most intimate areas of his life. He advised him. He advised him in these things. You know, over in the book of Titus, when Titus writes to the older women, and he writes to the older women about their lives and about keeping their lives. But one of the reasons he says that they should be so careful about the lives that they live, he says in Titus 2, "...so that they may encourage the young women." Not to encourage the young women simply to uh, cook the world's greatest apple pie, which there would be nothing wrong with that, by the way. If you want to experiment with the world's greatest apple pie, I'll be your guinea pig, okay? But that's not, that's not all they talked about. He's saying to these older women, I want you to talk to the younger women. I want you to talk to them about loving their husbands. I want you to talk to them about loving their children. I want you to talk to them about being sensible, about being workers at home, about being kind, about being submissive to their husbands, so that the Word of God may not be dishonored. See, Paul says says, it's not just this superficial relationship. All of us have superficial relationships. And when somebody asks you to tell a moving or a monumental story about a superficial relationship, you don't have any stories. Do you? I, I don't have stories or respect or impact from superficial relationships. Now, I have some superficial relationships. I hope you understand what I mean by that. That the, 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 they just don't go very deep. That's not what God wants, that's not what's going to make an impact. He's saying, I want you to invest yourself in, 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 in a deep way. To advise them in the most sensitive areas of life. And as you advise them, as you try to show them things that they can't know unless, unless you help them along, I want you to encourage them. This is not, as I joked about Dustin, about straightening somebody out. That's, that, that's not going to work. Uh, if somebody decides that I'm going to be their project and they're going to straighten me out, I'm probably not going to respond too well to that. I'm not very interested in that. Okay? Uh, so Dustin, don't worry. You know. But this Paul had a relationship of encouragement. I'm, I'm not only trying to show you things, I'm trying to build you up. Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and he said, Let no one look down on your youthfulness. And I don't know that you can understand the importance of those words coming from an older preacher. But I went into the pulpit when I was 21 years old, right out of college. And I can tell you that you deal with all of these things, but first and foremost, you deal with an incredible stumbling block of your youth. And you hear it everywhere that you go, and it can be so discouraging. I'm not even saying it's not always appropriate to talk about those things. How old are you? You're, you're a preacher. You're going to tell me something about life and about eternity? You're 21 years old. How many, how many people want to listen to a 21-year-old talk about life? Anybody? Some of you are saying, I don't really want to listen to a 36-year-old talk about life. I get it. Okay? Absolutely. But Timothy needed to hear this. Listen, Timothy, you're doing a good job. You're doing what needs to happen. You're saying what needs to be said. You're loving people. You're caring for people. Don't let your youth become that stumbling block. Be encouraged in those things. You read his letters of 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, they are letters of encouragement. They are letters where Paul shows, I believe in you, Timothy. That's the relationships that he had. It's a relationship, friends, of love. A relationship of love. One of the last books of the New Testament to be written is the book of of 2 Timothy. And it's written at the very end, it's written at the very end of Paul's life. And when Paul is putting all of his affairs together, he writes, he writes to, to Timothy. And he says, you know what? To my son, to my child in the faith, to the one who I've poured my heart out to, to the one that I've given advice to, we've talked, about, we've talked about the most difficult and the most intimate things of life. And we've had ups and we've had downs and we've had great days for the Gospel and we've had days that we were beaten for that cause. And I'm coming to the end. He wrote, he said, I am being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. So he says, he says in Second Timothy four and verse nine, Make every effort to come to me. Come to me. I want to see you. I want to see you one last time. And you've been a part of those experiences where you knew someone was passing away and they wanted to see you. You wanted to be there. Just to be with that person. Because that person was on your mind. Not because you had to tell them what to do, but because you loved that person. That's the relationship that Paul had with Timothy. Find someone to be your Timothy. Identify someone. Look out in this room. It doesn't have to be a kid. You don't have to be a teenager to need a mentor. Some of the, some of the most powerful stages of mentorship have come in my adult life. But people have helped me. help them to see things that they can't see otherwise. Encourage them in those things. Build them up in those things. Who here does not want to be built up in life? Who here does not want to know that there's someone who believes in them? Develop a relationship of love. Go beyond the superficial. Go beyond the wave, and I know your name and your kid's name. Go go beyond that. Spend time with each other. Communicate with each other. That's the relationship that we're looking for. The reality is that in all of those things, they are simply a reflection of God's relationship with us. We're striving to be like Christ. We're striving to reflect God into all the world. Because God looked at mankind and He chose us. He chose us. He looked at us with all of our shortcomings and all of our struggles, and He said, there's a man that needs me. There's a woman that needs me. And so He came for us. He came to seek us and to save us. God did not just love some generic world. God loved you and God loves me. And He came to show us a better way. He came to a world that was living according to its own own thoughts. There is a way within every man that seemeth right. And we've all walked in that path. And those things that somehow seem right to us, He said, so often are a path that leads to death. And so He came to show us a better way. He didn't come to tell us what to do. He came to show us a better way. He came to show us a way that leads to life. And to build us up. To encourage us. Friends, if the world doesn't believe in you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what the world is. But God believes in you. And no one can take that away from you. Hold on to that. Cling to that. Emulate that. He came and He loved us. And when He went to the cross, what was on His mind? What was on His mind? He went to the cross because you were on His mind. Because He loved us. So the encouragement is not only for us, is not only for us to reflect who God is, but it's also for us to embrace that relationship. There have probably been people that have tried to help me along the way that I've bucked at. And probably at the top of that list is my God who I've bucked at before. I want to be someone who when my God comes to me and says, I'm going to make a difference in your life, Wes. I'm going to show you a better way. I'm going to to encourage you and help you become everything that you can be which, by the way, God's ideas are so much greater than our ideas. And I'm going to love you. My job is simply to respond and say, you know what? You are the potter and I am the clay. That's the invitation for us. Friends, if, if, you've, if you've not come to submit to Him, to have ties into His death, to walk in His ways... Know that He's pleading. He's dying for that to happen, even today. So why don't you come as we stand and as we sing.